Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? This is an email from a woman who said, Carol, what do you think is the most important tool or tip my husband can use to stay in recovery? Oh, I wish I could answer that, but I can't. Because the truth of the matter is, it isn't just one tool. It's a whole host of tools. And I'd be happy to send anybody my 10 recovery tools if they email me at carol, at carolcoach.com. And they can keep that list and see if they need to add to it. They're very, very simple, but simplicity works in the world of recovery. As long as you are doing your ultimate best to supplement your individual recovery and your relational recovery with tools that will support you, it's all good. You know, and it, and if you're having trouble and you're slipping and sliding, maybe you're not going to enough meetings. Or maybe you need a new sponsor. I mean, I'm not blaming meetings or sponsors on your inability to um, figure out recovery and sobriety. But I am thinking, you know, I've had many men and women that had a sponsor that didn't even encourage him to do the 12 steps. Well, although there's a lot of good things about those meetings, the truth of the matter is you're supposed to be working on transformation, and that means the 12 steps. And if you've been going to those meetings for a year, two years, 20 years, and and you have not started the 12 steps, 
working on step one and then working on step two, going all the way up to the 12 steps, then you need a new mentor, guide, or a sponsor. Because that just is not going to improve you to the degree that you're going to need to master and manage this recovery. Okay, and speaking about recovery, you know, if you've ever worked with me or gone to some of my workshops, I always say I hate, well, I do, I do say that, to tell a partner that they need to be in recovery. Because recovery to me really means managing an addiction. And yes, I know, recovering from betrayal trauma is recovery. But I don't know. It seems to mean something different to me. I'd rather call it support. And if you're looking for a support group for partners that's going to be both therapeutic, it's going to help you to grieve and mourn and be angry and get to know your strengths and figure out how you can end up in post-traumatic growth, I'm going to encourage you to go to, now I'm actually getting her website, Amy Nagy's website, and that's A-M-Y-N-A-G-Y coaching.com. And that's where you can sign up for a recovery slash support group that is empowerment-based. It's, you know, yes, it's going to help you to determine how to combat your stress and your anxiety and create personal resiliency, you know, all that stuff. How do you establish safety? And, but how do you make decisions when your brain isn't working? What do you do about self-care, right? It's a supportive place for women to get together from... June 2nd through July 21st, and that's going to be from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Every Wednesday from June 2nd to July 21st. And I just really encourage partners to, to take care of themselves and to work on getting healthier so that you're not so entangled with his addiction. All right, that's my soapbox on that. Would you believe that it shows that we have 906,000 visits to this podcast? Now, that is so super cool. We're going to have a party when it hits the million mark, right? Um, And you have made that possible for me, and I so appreciate it. There are so many incredible podcasts to listen to. So I'm glad that you make us one of, one of them. Considering iCast, nobody had a podcast. Not one single person had a podcast on sex addiction. But, um, you know, it only took a couple. And you've got some of the best podcasts in the world to hear. Some of you, I remember I had a colleague. She was going to be on the show, and um, she's very 
very organized and, and very comprehensive. And she had one of her interns listen uh, to see how she sounded after, after she got through with the podcast. I sent her the link. Don't ask me why she had somebody else listen to it. But one of the things, she, this woman contacted me and said, Carol, this is really weird. Uh, she said that your your podcast talked about a woman with anxiety. Well, the truth of the matter is, I don't know that everybody knows this, but I was at um, I was a drive time radio host for a long time. I had a show in Indianapolis called Sex, Love, and Relationships with Carol the Coach, and so that promo was made for me based on my radio days. And it doesn't exactly fit this podcast, but it does. You know, it talks about me helping people in general with their anxiety, with their depression, and certainly with their sex addiction. And so I can remember, you know, I actually had four different radio shows. And my last one, Sex, Love, and Relationships, I had for two years. And when I lost that, as did all the other freelancers, whenever a new producer moves into town and replaces the old producer, most all of us get um, get terminated, you know, so that he can bring on some people that he wants to work with him. And that makes total sense. you got to have thick skin and you got to understand how the business works. But um, I can remember somebody said to me, well, you can do podcasts. And I, in my, you know, podcasts were just starting out, and I thought, I'm not doing a podcast. I'm getting another radio gig. I want my radio on live. I want it, you know, in my area. I want people to drive home and and hear this information. But the truth of the matter is um, podcasts are way more popular than radio. They said radio is a dying thing, although I don't think it is. I think it'll come back. And, you know, it's always good to go with the change. Accept change, and that's part of that serenity prayer, you know, accept the things that I cannot change and accept the things that I can, right? The wisdom to know the difference. And so I've always been very appreciative of the many opportunities I've had to be able to do that. So what I hope for me, as well as for everybody else, that, you know, we can all accept change and we can all really find a place in our lives where we're comfortable we're comfortable with whatever occurs in our life, and we move through it, and we get stronger. Now, that's easier said than done with addiction, um, but you can get stronger from it no matter what. And if you're a partner, you can get stronger from having been put through this horrible ordeal. And that's what I have to say about that. Now, let me ask you. When you think of your life, what what makes you stronger? You know, I'm getting ready to interview. He's in the um, house waiting on me. 
Gene Adamson, and he he just absorbs information and then decides how he's going to apply it to his clients. And you know, he's he's a real specialist with attachment, and 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 he wants to heal that attachment and all the wounds of loss and betrayal and abandonment that occur because of it. So much so that he's doing what I'm doing and that he's putting also together a podcast to talk to folks about their lives and and how they've gotten stronger and what made them get through. So I just want to welcome him to the show, Shane Adamson. This is Carol the Coach, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad to have you on. Thank you, Carol. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I mean, you really do get excited when you get information and you look at ways to apply it to your clients. And and I know that we had a man on probably about eight months ago, Troy Love, and he talked about attachment issues and healing the wounds. And you actually trained under him, correct? I decided to do his workshop to do my personal work and then after doing that I felt prompted to ask if he'd be okay to bring his Finding Peace retreat to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and that is scheduled for I think the third week in October so I don't know if I've done some training with him we've been in trainings together but I actually was doing my personal work doing uh, actually in his Finding Peace retreat and now in this next step, I'll be more in a kind of a facilitator role when we do the Dallas workshop. Well, I get that. So tell our listening audience a little bit about you and how you got your start. Sure. Uh, I've been a therapist for 25 years, and how I came to become a therapist, interestingly, I was a Christian missionary in Japan, and while I was trying to share just kind of a a faith message, I noticed there was a lot of pain in some of the investigators that were exploring our church, like a Japanese woman would say, you know, this is some nice ideas, but my husband either goes to the bar or a bathhouse, and I could see the pain in their eyes. And so when I finished that service, when I went back to college, I knew I wanted to do something to strengthen marriage and family. And I just knew that a lot of marriages and families were struggling. And then fast forward, I'm 30 years old and just finishing my master's degree and my parents' marriage ended. And I'm the oldest of five kids. And just some of the consequences of, of that in all of our siblings' lives with just kind of uh, addictions or um, relationship problems or um, problems related with employment, those have just kind of been a real challenge. Now, all of that can't be tied to divorce. We're all adults and kind of living our lives. But I started to do a deeper dive into attachment and trauma. And so over the last 10 to 15 years, I've been specializing in sex addiction, betrayal trauma, and doing my own work of, you know, healing betrayal and loss and and so that's how I came to be where I am. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, and, and so what do you believe is your greatest skill in working with people? 
how do you see yourself as an expert in this field? Well, I do believe that my skill sets are climbing the more that I do my personal work and I look at some of my own vulnerabilities and do my deeper work. It almost helps me when I see clients maybe stuck with some shame or stuck in some betrayal or some attachment wound. I feel I've been there and I've done my work and so I can be a helpful guide. So I would say being vulnerable and authentic with, and then having an empathy and compassion for people and believe that people have a little doctor within them. And my job is not to be the expert, but to help them find their own resources from within. And because I've been able to do that in my own personal work, I feel I'm better able to help other clients find their inner resources and strengths. Mm-hmm. Boy, that sounds a lot like a coach. You know, I'm a life coach and a mental health therapist. And as a coach, we really believe that everyone possesses the skills, well, the knowledge to know what they need to work on. And then, then they can go out and find the skills. And it sounds like you believe that, that your clients have that we're for all too. They, they know what they need. It's just figuring out how to get it. I, I'm in line with you, and I'm a fan of coaches. My wife is seeing a coach right now, and I've met a number of coaches that really have tapped into that, helping a client access their inner resources or strengths to, you know, solve some of their personal problems and empower them. So, yes, I'm a big fan of coaches, and I think counselors and coaches can work alongside each other in our own niches and help people through hard things. Yeah. And so clearly you love doing this work. And what do you believe about recovering addicts and recovering couples in general? Um, I do believe that the problem of sex addiction and betrayal and couples work is very complex work. And I believe there's three recoveries that need attention. The addict needs to look inward at those underlying driving forces that drive them to unwanted compulsions and addictive behaviors. The partner needs to understand some of the uh, hallmarks or best practices for betrayal recovery And then the couple recovery, I think in early addiction treatment, they did a disservice to couples because, you know, an addict would go into a 30 or 45 day program and do all this amazing work and come back and there'd be divorce papers, (laughs) you know, on the paper, on the, on the table when they got back. And so I think we're doing a better job over the last 10 or 15 years of bringing in a little bit more stability, even though, though it's really crisis oriented in that beginning, but a little bit of some basic skills of empathy. Like I love your workbook on, you know, help her heal, which really defines some skills behind empathy. And so, yeah, I, I just believe that a, couple, a therapist needs to make sure that they're paying attention to all three parts of that uh, to help things go right. Well, I'm honored that you – you look at look at and, and work through help her heal. I, I do agree that it really helps addicts who, you know, are either in that shame spiral of what they've done and they 
can't even begin to think about how they could empathize with their wife because they're kind of in a shell-shocked position. You know, we, we know that happens to partners when they find out that their husbands have been cheating or have been looking at pornography or, you know, have acted out. But it's tough on the addicts, too. And I always wondered, and maybe you can weigh in on this, do you think the sex addicts, lacked empathy initially, which maybe even made them a little more prone to addiction, or do you think the addiction robbed them of their ability to empathize? What do you think? You know, um, I do believe that a lot of addicts struggle with being in touch with their emotions and so addiction is a form of numbing or escapism. And so when I think of empathy as a skill, uh, it is true that while I, I try very hard to counsel guys to do your VAR, validate, acknowledge, and reassure, a lot of them get kind of stuck in shame and they shrink and they can't do that skill initially and so whether that's the addiction that has robbed them of the empathy or some early life experiences where they just have numbed emotions and it's, it's hard for me to put a finger on the addiction doing this or some early life experiences, but they are lacking in that skill of empathy and it takes repetition and, and sometimes literally coaching in session, like let's slow this down, let's kind of rewind the tape so your wife just voiced a trauma trigger how might you be able to let's go with, you know, validate and then how can you acknowledge how this would be hurtful and reassure? Cause I think that a lot of addicts feel like the spouse is making a case against them and, and then they go into shame mode. So being able to switch gears and literally lean into the pain with some empathy is a skill set that takes some time to develop. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I'm glad that you're helping them because, I find that men really, really want these skills. And then when you practice them, either in your own individual session or with, as the couple, with the couple, they almost have some performance anxiety and they really have to do it over and over and over again to be able to get it down and use it regularly. What are your thoughts about that? You know, uh, I think with early recovery, I do believe that the men being in a group and they're coming out of hiding and kind of practicing intimacy with a group of guys and some of the guys that might be a little further down the path and say, hey, my wife was triggered because she saw this car by a hotel which looked like my car. Typically, I get defensive or angry. I realize it makes sense that she'd be triggered. And so a guy that's a little more senior in the group says, I decided, hey, tell me more of how that hurt you. I, I'm the one that brought this problem into our relationship. I'm so sorry. No wife deserves to feel unsafe. And I, I just need to fight for your heart and let you know that I'm going to keep doing recovery work until this relationship is safe. When other guys hear a guy a little more senior in the group, 
and it resonates with them like, oh, my gosh, that's kind of what I need to do. I get defensive and angry when she brings this up or I close off and don't respond. So, therefore, um, sometimes group therapy is the best place for guys to learn these skills because they just hear another guy that's getting it and then they realize that they are kind of doing some mistaken responses to trauma as opposed to helpful responses. Yeah, I would agree with you a hundred percent. That is the beauty of groups. I always say this to my guys. I say, what you learn in group, you take out of group. Um, so you do run groups, right, Shane? Yeah, I'm, I'm currently running a men's group, and there's a betrayal trauma group that a female colleague in the office. We've got a wait list. Once we get one or two more female partners, we're going to be starting a betrayal trauma group here in the near future. Okay, and and I would encourage, I was just talking before you came on the show, you know, the partners really benefit from groups because they get the support they need just to learn how to detach a bit from the and recreate their own life. And that's what we want them to be able to do is Regardless of whether they stay or go, we want them to have the best life they can for themselves. Now, do you work with partners? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. trained in Sue Johnson's emotional focus therapy model, and I'm working with about 12 couples right now. And half of those couples, there's been some form of betrayal or infidelity. And of that, um, a majority would be in the category of sex addicts where it's been a compulsion that's happened repeatedly. There are a couple that has been a one-time affair. And so I'm treating that a little differently until I get more information. So yeah, I do work with couples. And so you've got this, um, oh, you've got a very interesting idea for a podcast. And I don't think there's anything out there quite like that. Could you tell us a little bit about what you hope for your podcast? And are you going to call it Help for Marriage and Family? Yeah, it's it's going to be Help for Marriage and Family. And um, I just want to make sure we save a little bit of time of my experience at the Finding Peace Retreat. Uh, during our podcast time, but um, I will share briefly that I'm in the brainstorming stages of this podcast, and I believe it will kind of rotate from, uh, oh, goodness, um, if I were to take a month, a year, there would probably be like a quarter that focuses on marriage enrichment, then there might be a, a section that focuses on family and parenting and some of the unique challenges there. Um, I had a daughter that just came out as gay in this last uh, two years ago. And so I don't want this to be um, just heteronormative. I, I'm actually starting to meet with uh, folks from the LGBTQ community to make sure that my podcast represents some of the unique needs in that population. And so I would say that I would want to interview experts and authors as well as everyday heroes, people that have maybe been married for 40, 50 years and have something positive to share or a parent who basically really had difficulty with a child on the spectrum and what did they learn now that their child's an adult and what were the mistakes made and the things that they did right. So 
it's probably not going to be as narrow as just in the, the recovery world. It's going to be a little broader on kind of marriage and family and also special interests and other things that may come up uh, in correlation with that. Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's what impressed me about what you're hoping to do is that you're going to be telling stories and asking them to talk about their stories, right? Uh, so that we're going to get to hear from real-life people about their marriages yeah. and families, no matter how they configure it and what gender they are. And I mean, it's, it just sounds like a wonderful opportunity to learn from each other. Yeah, I, I definitely value the experts and the authors and the social influencers. But I also, when I think of my grandparents, they had like a better marriage than most people. And they didn't do therapy. They just probably learned from hard knocks of experiences and, and being humble and teachable. But, you know, I want some everyday heroes to come on the show and share their story that they've been through a hard thing and what they learned through that hard thing. Okay, very good. And so now you said you wanted to make sure to spend enough time on, obviously, what is so important to you, the Finding Peace workshop. So tell us a little bit about that event. Sure. So I started with a workbook I got on Amazon called Finding Peace, and it was on attachment wounds. And I quickly realized that um, I was dealing with some abandonment and some betrayal and some loss. And to be more specific about that, where in, in my marriage there hasn't been infidelity or sex addiction, but my wife decided that um, organized religion is not a thing for her. And we started our marriage really strong Christians in the, in the sect of Mormonism, and we got married in the temple and then about at the 15-year mark, she says, you know what, this is a little too intense for me. And so I went through feelings of betrayal and abandonment. We were separated two different times over the last eight years. We're now on a two-year really solid place. But I felt like I still had some wounding during that eight to ten years where things were unstable and uncertain whether our marriage was going to recover from that. And so that's probably – that big wound right there, uh, and there was some loss mixed in with the with the betrayal that led me to go to the Finding Peace retreat. Okay, and what was what was that like? So going to the retreat. You know, it it starts on a Thursday midday, and it goes all day Friday, Saturday, and then finishes midday on Sunday. And that was a mix of some education. It's more of an experiential workshop, so there's some psychodrama and, and some breaking into some small groups. There's time for some meditation and journaling. But it, it was just a perfect mix of all of those things to help me do the deeper work that I needed to do. Okay, and, and so you want to recreate this for other people, do you not? Correct. Um, I I felt that the model that Troy Love, I didn't know that he had been on your show before, but uh, 
the, the model that he created on a healing attachment wound seems to have a little bit of the psychosomatic, you know, looking at where the, the, you know, the body keeps score when you think of how trauma gets stored in the body mixed with some EMDR, mm-hmm. kind of like some resourcing that you can do when you're flooded or triggered. And I just found that the four-day format in kind of out in nature is a really nice way to tackle some of these deeper wounds. Where I've done individual therapy and EMDR, I just felt I needed to do some deeper work. And uh, the intensive was a nice way to do that, to break away from all of my, you know, traditional daily duties and kind of go to myself and do the deeper work I needed to do. And so when our listeners hear the word or words, deeper work, um, you know, it's interesting. I've got, I have to have Eddie Caparucci on and his book is, I think called, do you know what it's called? Deeper connection or going deeper is what it's called. And and the guys are doing this work and, and are going to this book book club, book study, it's really, um, it's not uh, authorized by 12-step work, but they just really wanted to understand more about themselves, and and they love going deeper. They, you know, so many people have been um, neglected or abused. They have their own trauma, and they want to heal the wounding. So when you reference going deeper, what does that look like? Thanks. That's a really important question. So for myself, going into the workshop, I was doing the following numbing and escapism. I was overeating. I was overfunctioning, overscheduling myself, and I was exhausted. And then I kind of went to excessive screen time or overeating to, and just to calm my anxiety or to decompress. And I also noticed that my confidence was waning in certain areas of my life. And so for me, I I wanted to figure out what attachment wounds were kind of leading me to do these behaviors that I knew as a therapist are not, you know, healthy. And even though I have a full practice and a wait list underneath all of my over-functioning, I was still struggling internally and I needed to do this work to figure out what was causing some of this escapism and the lower confidence and the anxiety. Is that helpful? Yeah, that, that absolutely is. And how are you getting the word out and, and what do you hope for this intensive or this workshop or this retreat? What are you hoping and and when are you going to have it? Um, it's going to be the the third week of um, October, like the 21st through the 24th. It's south of the Dallas-Fort Worth airport in a city called uh, Palestine, Texas. So it's East Texas is kind of this piney forest that's really beautiful. It's very fitting for this type of a retreat. And really at this point, um, people could – just go if they Google search finding peace retreat. Um, it, Troy loves retreat and registration page would pop up. And so we, our goal is to get 24 participants. And the Arizona 
retreat filled up pretty quickly. So I think there's an early bird special by the end of July where you save a, a portion of money, somewhere like 50 or $90, something in that range if you sign up by the end of July. All right. Yeah, I'm glad you – we are not allowed to talk fees for, you know, oh, okay. if there are oh, okay. fees or workshops. You did that just perfectly. You get you let people know that there is that early bird break. And so how can they get a hold of you? I mean, I, I know that you have a center, a marriage and family center. Is that the website you want them to use to sign up? What, what can they do? If they're interested in the Finding Peace Retreat, um, there is its own um, web page. If you Google Finding Peace Retreat, um, that will come up. If people want to seek me out, um, either Shane Adamson or Center for Marriage and Family Counseling is where I do my clinical work. And so, yeah, um, that's all I have for that. Okay, and so with this retreat, um, will you be helping to run it? Will Troy be there? Um, are both of you oh, going to sure. do it? So Troy is bringing four core staff from Arizona, and he's asked if I can find um, some clinicians on in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I have one that's committed and two the maybe, and so I'm still searching for one more staff, and I had such a positive experience with this retreat that I'm willing to volunteer my time if that's what it takes, just because I, I benefited so much, I want to give back. But uh, I know that um, there'll be four staff from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, as well as four from, you know, Arizona right at this point. Okay, so this is a really unique experience for the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area. And, again, you're hoping to do this four-day intensive. And give us the dates again. Um, October 21st, which is a Thursday, through Sunday the 24th. Got it. Well, you know, as we begin to wrap up the podcast you know, you get, you understand what people need. I'm, I'm wondering, what advice would you give men or women who have that sense of loss in their life and they don't feel like they've worked through their attachment wounds and, and they may not be able to come to this workshop? What advice would you give them? You know, my advice is that, first of all, to not minimize the impact something like loss or rejection and that these developmental traumas or attachment traumas can build on top of each other. And what that results in is not seeing yourself accurately, having maybe some overreactivity in your social life or maybe um, battling some chronic anxiety or some type of addictive behaviors, but my advice would be uh, to be gentle with yourself and, you know, find a counselor that you feel safe with. You could choose the Finding Peace workbook to help you with your attachment wounds if you can't go to the workshop. And then 
gently uncover what what are some of the negative messages that came from those uh, wounds and try to see yourself more accurately, accurately that these wounds do not define you. And so my advice is to be gentle with yourself, but, but take it seriously that these are some complex, hard things to go through and to not minimize them and just try to keep on functioning because that's what I tried to do is just over function my way out of my anxiety and out of my attachment wounds, but it didn't work so well for me. Yeah, but you're a work in progress. And what I really loved is that you were so honest with us today to be able to talk about the struggles that have really required more work, which has really paid off in both your relationship with your wife and your relationship with yourself. And, and I think, Jane, that's incredible advice that you give. Um, we should never be defined by the trauma, the pain, the wounding that we've experienced. We have to figure out how to grow stronger and how to love our life and ourselves again. And so you are the perfect example of how to do that. And I so appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Carol. And I just want to honor you for the work that you're doing in both your clinical practice and the books and the podcast and the radio show. You really are a light on a heel, and you've brought a lot of healing and hope to people. Well, thank you. And, of course, I'll do your podcast. Whenever you're ready, you just send me some dates, and I'll, I'll clear my schedule. <laughs> you're awesome. It's been a treat being on your show, and thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. Make it a good one, and I know you will. <laughs> thank you, Carol. Uh-huh. Talk to you later. All right, Shane Adamson out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He encouraged you to go to Finding Peace, the website, and look for an event that's close to you. Um, And, you know, it's all about doing that deeper work. I really would recommend Eddie's book, Going Deeper. I'm glad I was able to remember that You know, there's nothing worse than you bring something up and you can't remember the name. Now, I always say to myself, come, and I tell my clients, yeah, before the end of the session, it'll it'll show up. But that's not exactly what I want to do for my listeners. So I do so appreciate you, and we're getting close to a million hits, a million listens. Hey, we'll talk to you next week. For more sex help with Carol the Coach, and just remember, it's all about not being defined by your wounding and your trauma and the things that have occurred. It's an understanding that you're stronger as a result. And if you're not, find somebody that can help you with that. And just remember, they'll only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one.